Rocket, welcome back to the Mile of a Golf podcast. How are you tonight, sir? I'm very good, thank you, Roscoe. It's been a while. Feels like um, a lot has happened in the time since the last podcast. Mate, there's been a bit going on uh, professionally and um, golfingly wise, and also the other podcast that uh, that we do with the uh, interview style series went out last week and. With uh, the Future Golf Guys and just a little bit of feedback on that, it's been the most downloaded podcast that we've had. It's usurped even your high download ratings, uh, Rocket. So people love the Future Golf Story, and uh, and why not? It's a good one. Just on the Future Golf Story, you would have seen on the socials that they are running a very small competition to win a tailor-made Spider Tour X putter. All you need to do is go across to the Future Golf Instagram page or Facebook page. There's a link on there celebrating the My Love of Golf 20th edition, which was last last edition with the Future Golf um, episode. And you can go in the draw to win a Spider Tour X TaylorMade putter. That's all thanks to um, the partnership that they have with TaylorMade and also my friends at TaylorMade. We're trying to make them your friends at TaylorMade Rocket. That you know, we're just going to have, probably have to take take it easy on the, um, you know, pushing that through here. But uh, you know, they're helping out the future golf guys, and they're doing a great job with that. But if you listen to the future golf one, you can go across to the future golf Facebook page, enter that competition because by the fourteenth or fifteenth of uh, June, someone will win a putter, and that is in conjunction with this Mile of Golf podcast. So, thank you very much for everyone who listened to that. Keep listening. It's only like five days out, and uh, as I said, it's already been the most downloaded podcast that we've had, and um, they're great guys at Future Golf doing great things. So that's just a little bit of housekeeping, uh, Rocket. That's one thing that I've been up to. No doubt you listen to the Future Golf podcast. You might even be tempted to uh, join Future Golf as a member outside of your uh, current golf membership, which is the same golf membership that I have. And that's the other bit of news um, that's been across the golfing airwaves of recent times since we last got together was the official opening of your golfing home and mine, the great Peninsula Kingswood Country Golf Club. Are we Country Golf Club, Rocket? I think it's Country Golf Club. Well, it certainly has a country... We'll just call it PK. PK, yes. Peninsula Kingswood. So you've seen the new nomenclature and the new logos. If uh, if you've been following that story, and it's, there's a great article just out in Golf Australia magazine, Golf Digest uh, have been very big supporters of the club. There's been a number of articles that they've produced. Caddy, magazine, Caddy, Mag- Caddy magazine, Will Watt, shout out to Will. Um, played golf with Will down there a few weeks ago after he did that fantastic shoot um, with the, his team around there, made the course look absolutely fantastic, and it's not a, it's not hard to make that course look fantastic. But Will's photography, um, which will feature in Caddy Magazine, and you can find that on his socials at Caddy Mag, uh, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Rod Murray from the Ice Seat Golf Podcast was down at the opening, and um, 
producer podcast with Heath, the CEO, and gave a very good insight into the whole timeline of taking what we knew as our home course into what it is today. And I'm just going to put it out there now because, uh, like you, we've been lucky enough to play a lot of the courses in and around the Melbourne Sandbelt, or all of the courses in and around the Melbourne Sandbelt, and it is definitely going to be up there and challenged for a top spot. I'm just going to say that. Might upset a few of the listeners that are members at Royal, Metro, Kingston Heath, but the money that I'm hearing from the members of those clubs that I speak to on a daily basis, weekly basis through what I do, is they're very, very impressed, and they're not members of our club. I think it's easy to be impressed if you are a member of the club, but, you know, Rocket, it's been a journey, and I put out there a tweet the other day in response to something else, um, that one of these stories, and I said, the six years now seems like a distant memory when we look at what we've got. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, my journey for being a member of Peninsula, I haven't been a member there that long. However, um, you know, my previous history was primarily a heritage since I've been in Melbourne or living in Melbourne. But one of my really good friends has been a member at Peninsula and, you know, played a couple of times down there. So this is before all the renovation. So I remember playing, you know, north and being just suitably pressed back then uh, and then playing, you know, the south. And then they had the announcement of the merger and then seeing the plans and seeing what was going to be happening and... You know, you know, Heritage has had its own issues and I'd sort of stopped playing pennant, so I had no sort of allegiance or, you know, obligation to continue doing doing that. And I saw what was going to be possible and, you know, saw all the stuff that, you know, what Mike was going to be doing, you know, the Mike and Mike and Ash and Jeff. And knowing the two sides, I thought, oh, my goodness, I have to join here before before it shuts, you know, membership shuts up because everyone's going to want to join here. And it has been a journey, you know, so it's a little bit of a longer drive for myself, but I remember when they, you know, they obviously did the South Course first. I remember when they opened up the South Course, you know, a number of the holes, and I got to the first and I had like a 15-footer on those new greens with the pure distinction grass. Uh, I didn't hold my part, but I've never seen a ball roll like that on a green in my life. And it was almost like right there. And I got to the second hole and I hit another putt like that. Um, and I was like, yep, this is why I've joined here. This is going to be amazing. And as they've continued to release certain holes and as the course starts to grow in um, and just playing it and learning it more and more, I, it's just, it's just really a fun and amazing experience. And, you know, do not regret, you know, leaving and going to that club because, you know, what we, what we have is truly something special. And then once you know, all the fairways and the greens grow in and they can really <clears throat> do what they want to the course, I, it's like another two years, it's going to be at another level. 
again, like, just amazing. So if I reflect on what I know of Peninsula Kingswood, what was formerly known as Peninsula, and and we should spend a bit of time talking about Kingswood because, you know, the, the people that will listen to the podcast, some will be familiar with the journey of Peninsula Kingswood and what is now Peninsula Kingswood. But many won't, you know. If, if you're listening in Maryland, United States, another states, uh, another state in America that uh, dropped a listen and download into the My Love of Golf podcast in recent times, if you're listening over there and you might be thinking about coming to Australia, obviously Peninsula Kingswood should be on the map. Probably isn't the first one to go to for, um, you know, journey planning. You know, you look at the RMs and your Kingston Heaths and your uh, metros and that, but Peninsula Kingswood will be on the map. But the history, the backstory for me goes back to around about 2001, which was about the first time that I ever set foot in the place. So it was nearly, you know, 20, 18 years ago now. And I went down there for a work conference. You know, it's a wonderful conferencing site for um, any businesses that do want to have a conference down there. And the facilities down there now are fantastic. That 20 years ago, they were great. But I just moved down to this area and went down to that club. Now, it was out of my league then. Still a little bit out of my league now, but uh, I would just want to be there. And the course was great. You know, the bones of 36 holes in, you know, the city basin of Melbourne was fantastic. But you could tell that there was so much more there. Now, around that time, I think Mike Cocking, um, sorry, Mike Clayton, had been commissioned to redo a number of the holes and a number of the greens. And he did that, and that changed the dynamic of the place. Um, there was always a little bit of conjecture around some of the greens and the green complexes and the shapes and the hills and the swales and the, the triple tier eighth on the south and the, the par three seventeenth on the, the south. You know, always contentious and that's what gets people talking and that's a positive as well as sometimes a challenge but it was a great course now as golfers we know that golf courses and and memberships and the viability of golf courses is a changing dynamic on a daily weekly monthly yearly basis and fast forward to you know that six years ago we had the the journey of the Kingswood site in Dingley, Kingswood Golf Club, which had a, a long history and was a fine sandbelt, genuine sandbelt course in fantastic condition, merged with what was Peninsula Country Golf Club at the time. And the decision was made to bring the two entities into one. And the obvious choice was to then make one site, one club on one site, and that would be the Peninsula site in Frankston where the 36 holes existed. Now, the reason why we're talking about such a fantastic facility now is obviously there's been a lot of investment put in, and that investment came from the sale of the Kingswood site, which unfortunately is no longer, but, you know, on every downside there's an upside, and the upside is that we now have this fantastic facility as you've started to articulate. And that fantastic facility really does start from the moment that you drive in the driveway and the guys have done a full end-to-end job to make the golf experience fantastic from the moment that you drive in even to the point where you know some foliage un- un- undesirable unnecessary foliage being removed so you can see the clubhouse as you as you drive in 
Obviously, it's a new clubhouse with fantastic architectural features and a very striking design, and it's a magnificent facility. But as you drive in and you see the new um, redeveloped holes, you know you see those stonewall creeks. You come up to the new short game area, which is just mind blowing. The practice facility on the right hand side, the new coaching facility where you know you can go there and get coaching, the accommodation units for you know those of you in Maryland, Massachusetts. Um, New York, California. Thanks for listening. When you come across, there's accommodation on site. I've got to plug. I've got to. I've got to, I've got to plug the accommodation, mate. Um, there's accommodation in the club, gym facilities, pool facilities, tennis court facilities, yeah. bowling greens. It's unbelievable. The whole facility, and and I guess with the investment that they spent, you you would expect that that it's going to be magnificent, but they really are pitching it to make it that destination for. People in Melbourne, people from overseas, and people from interstate to want to visit when they visit Melbourne, which is now, you know, one of the genuine golf destinations in the world, Melbourne. When you think about going on a golf trip, interstate or international, you know, Melbourne is a hot property to get to. So this facility that we've got and got access to is unbelievable. Now, course-wise for me, you know, Mike Cocking, who is a very good friend of the podcast, no Mike for a while. I used to love going out there on the Wednesday mornings with Glazier, Doherty, uh, Matty, um, all those other guys. And you would see Mike out there uh, trudging around the rough, trudging around areas that you wouldn't think they'd be touching. But there'd be a, a figure from, oh, I can remember this distinctly. We were playing the, um, you remember the temporary hole on the 18th South, that par three that we played? Oh, great hole. So over to the left-hand side of the green, you know, over towards the first south, there was a figure in, you know, his greenkeeping, you know, beige, green and beige outfit, sunglasses, hat on, and and making weird footsteps, you know, in the dirt. And, and it was Mike mapping out a shape in the dew with his feet. And now when you go back to that same area, you can see what he was doing. He was walking around just by himself, shaping out an area that is now wasteland. And, you know, when you've seen the development of the course through that length of time and you've seen, you know, the designer and the architect on that journey and, you know, one morning at 7.30am in the cold, mapping out a shape with his foot because he's probably woken up with an idea overnight, it makes it, um, you know, a, a really special thing to to see it come to fruition and, and then to be able to talk to Mike and then to be able to play the, the hole that, you know, he had the brainwave one night and probably got up out of bed to shape shape it out and, and get the guys to go down and mark it out. So it's been a real journey, you know, six years of, you know, having a redeveloped golf course is not an insignificant amount of time. But as I said at the start, it seems like yesterday that it was all going ahead and now it's all finished and it's magnificent. Now, two courses, the north course, the south course. Different courses... In my perspective, uh, Rocket, and I'll get yours in a sec, North Course, I think, is the one that everyone gravitates towards as the one to be part of, the one to play, the challenging. The, 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 it's the course with the undulations, the rises and the falls. There's a really nice corner of the North Course um, where there is a great, just great land for a golf course. And it really does bring out, allow, uh, it's allowed Mike to bring out those sand belt type features. Um, 
And then you go across to the south, which is obviously on the southern side of the property, more towards the Mornington Peninsula end, for those of you wanting to sort of orientate where we are in Frankston. Um, a little flatter, still a little bit of undulation, especially on 11, 12, 13, 14, sort of 15 area, but a different, a different feel. But what they've done there is really try and make that a true sandbelt type experience, heathland type experience with the bunkering and the green complexes. Um, so both courses are, are amazing. It's hard to really sort of pin it down in a you know ten minute sort of section that we've dedicated to the podcast. But uh, yeah, it's uh, north course is amazing. The green complexes. So the greens. You, we said it in the in our little pre-chat, but the and you said it, you know, when you putted on the first for the first time on the South Greens, that you were blown away. And what's the what's the uh, the name of the grass? Pure distinction. Pure distinction. So, Rocket, what do you know about this grass, which is probably going to sweep definitely the sandbelt area of uh, green regeneration? Um, and it already has at the Victoria Golf Club, which just redone all of their greens with pure distinction after seeing what I believe, after seeing the Peninsula greens and how fantastic they were. What is pure distinction? Um, so before I get to that, there's a couple of things. So you made a good point around Kingswood and anyone that feels a bit nostalgic. And you know, it's always difficult when you know, members of a club you know, lose part of that history. However... They should take some solace in the fact that there's a lot of the fairways um, from from Kingswood were actually sort of cut and rolled up, and they form a lot of the areas that form a lot of the north course tees and fairway areas as well. So we'll call it. There's some history of Kingswood um, still still planted um, in the heart of what is you know our, our amazing complex there. Um, and then on the architecture side, I'd love to have Mike and and ask him just questions about, you think about the original design and then what changed? You know, how much flexibility do you have? Because, you know, I'm thinking about you talking about him walking around. You know, what you put on paper the first time, you know, but when you get out there and you start to trudge and you start to think about how the whole might play, you know, how many times do you just change stuff? just little tweaks and stuff like that to just change the playability. So it's um, got my mind sort of getting excited about what he would talk about. Just just but, a little, just to interrupt, sorry, I'll interrupt now. Yeah. Um, just a little bit on Mike, you know, if you follow golf architecture, you, you will be aware of Mike Cocking because he is one of the new generation of golf architects that, you know, we'll be talking about in, in the future undoubtedly but Mike absolutely Mike is um, a former club champion and a 20-year member of Peninsula Kingswood so if there was anyone that was going to be of the OCCM team Ogilvy Cocking Clayton Mead team if there was anyone that was going to be invested in their work it's going to be Mike Cocking and you know it's clear that he put his heart and soul into it and but it's just an interesting fact and and some people might not realize that you know, one of what I think is going to be the golf architecture leaders, you know, when we talk about Core and Crenshaw and Doak and, and, and Mike's going to be the new generation of what those guys have done and is already crafting his name in that space, um, 
to have the a former twenty year member or a, no, not a former, a twenty year member and a club champion, who you know did finish uh, maybe sixth in the two thousand and one. Uh, Masters, um, you know, so a very, very accomplished player, and it was only, I think, a little bit of injury that kept him back from, you know, pursuing a, a career professionally. Um, it's a nice thing. It's a nice. It was a very nice thing for us to have access to as uh, members to have someone like that um, in charge of, you know, the end end result and the product. So pure distinction, Rocket. Now. This will be another one question, you know, we might be posing Mike and he'll be um, very nerdy on the agronomy of this, but from what I know is that it's obviously a bit of a hybrid of a bent grass that's been sort of pulled, developed over the over the many years, but I think it's actually the strain that they use at Augusta um, on there. Um, so just, you know, the structure of the leaf, how it mats, um, you know, even how it's cut, how it retains its um, just firmness, and when just coming and just having the word pure distinction, and then you know how it rolls when you hit a putt is just it's certainly certainly done justice to the name that's been given. Um, it's just amazing, um, and you know I've already seen you know in terms of. You know, different parts of the year when, you know, especially coming sort of into springtime and they can get the greens a little bit firmer and just how they roll and just the firmness of the greens. Um, yeah, it's just oh, it's phenomenal. I could go on about, I could go on about our greens forever. Um, but yeah, I think uh, everyone's sort of cottoning on to, you know, what these, what this particular strain provides and gives. And you know, when you think about your round, half your half your half your strokes are on the on the putting surface. So making sure that's a good surface uh, and a good test for um, all levels, but at the same time making it so it's easy enough for the high handicappers to at least be able to get one rolling and get it onto the hole. Um, like it just ticks all the boxes, really. Yes. Well. I I don't think that uh, you know we'll do we'll do it justice. Um, you know, because we, we, we could wax on for hours talking about it, whole, doing a hole by hole. Um, <laughs> but we take too long because there's too much to talk about. So I'd, let, talk, I'd start talking about the shots and the angles and stuff on particular holes and. So let's uh, let's let's hope that maybe one day Mike will give us some time. He's a busy guy and he's uh, always on different parts of the world doing different projects. Um, whether it's China, whether it's the states, he's he's all he's all around the place. So um, maybe let's not talk too much more about Peninsula Kingswood, but just to let everyone know that it is open. It's fantastic. If you're an interstate member, uh, interstate member of a course, you know. Reach out to Heath and and make arrangements to uh, come and play when you are in Melbourne, and uh, put it on the destination for a place to uh, maybe do an overnight trip, and uh, the accommodation is, you know, six star. I'm going to put it out there at six star, but anyway, um, I haven't stayed there myself, but I did have a look around the rooms. Awesome. So, so Rocket, 
what else? So we should talk about a little bit of a recap of the events that we've missed out on. Not too long on some of the events that have been uh, run and won. Um, but we are in the lead up to the next major of the year. One of your favourites, probably this year. Probably I'm going to tip that it's going to be your favourite because it is on a course that you have played, as you reminded me of last time, the US Open nice. at Pebble Beach. We are in the lead up to that. Now, just to let everyone know, this isn't the preview episode. We are going to record that specially next week, and we're going to try something different. We're going to get ourselves on a simulator that has Pebble Beach, and we're going to do a bit of a course overview and a bit of a US Open overview while we're playing Pebble Beach on the simulator. And I think we said last time, if anyone wanted to join us, that they are welcome to reach out to us, and we'll make arrangements for you to come and join us while we play. I've had a couple of people that want to tap into that already. There's probably a few more spaces that we can uh, fill up with the simulators. It's probably going to be recorded on a Monday night, which is the public holiday in Victoria, um, in the city, in the CBD area. So if you can make that and you do want to have a little bit of a hit around uh, Pebble Beach on a on the Full Swing Golf simulator, courtesy of Full Swing Golf and Big Swing Golf, you're more than welcome to hit us up and, uh, and we'll see if we can uh, make arrangements for you to come down. Watch us while we record the podcast, potentially a live episode. Who would ever think that we'd be sitting here doing a live episode, potentially, Rob? Uh, Rob, and, um, and also, just to, just for a disclaimer and for everyone to be clear, the shortbreads for everyone else are off limits. Well, that was a, I was getting to there. That will be the official unveiling of Ma Rocket's uh, Scottish shortbreads, and I will be breaking my sweet hiatus um, on that evening. <laughs> uh, we could probably sell tickets on, based on that fact alone. <laughs> Rob. People want to come and see me. I've probably lost two kilos in the last uh, five weeks since Easter, not eating chocolate. So I will be breaking the sweet treat hiatus uh, on Ma Rocket's Scottish shortbread. She knows how to keep me sweet. So thank you, Ma Rocket, in advance of uh, of that. Um, and we'll try and make a little bit of a video. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, let the people know who the secret man is, Rocket. You might uh, have to show your face. Is that going to be okay? Do we need to speak to your people? No, it will be fine. Okay, very good. So um, anyway, so the tournaments that have been run and won in the absence of uh, the Roscoe and Rocket uh, episodes, what were they? Give us, you're, you're the man, this is your jam. Uh, so the, the first one straight after um, the Brooks Kepka Championship um, was the, what was the old Colonial? Uh, they call it the Charles Schwab Challenge. I don't know why, just, I don't know why they couldn't call it Charles Schwab Presents the Colonial Invitational. I don't know, some sponsors do weird things. Uh, it was won by Kevin Nagy, uh, won by four. Um, yeah, he's, oh, oh, I actually enjoyed that because, you know, he's, he's one of the good guys. He actually admits that he's slow. So I appreciate his honesty, unlike the fake physicist. Um, so, you know, that was a win for the good guys. I didn't really watch a lot of that tournament. Um, I think I was still getting over probably watching the final round of the USPGA three or four more times. So I uh, took a fleeting sort of interest. Then um, only just finished over the weekend has been the Memorial Tournament at Jack's House, um, won by young Patrick Cantlay. Uh, amazing story. Um, and, you know, I think I talked a little bit about this 
you know, because obviously he was t- contending at the US Masters. Um, but, you know, you've got a former world number one amateur. It was a, almost like a world beater as an amateur. So he played six tour events in a row on sponsors' exemptions and didn't finish outside the top 25 in any of them. Um, and then had a whole raft of injuries and things like that sliding down. He's a recipient of the Jack Nicholas Award for Best um, Collegiate Golfer. Um, tragedy struck him with his friend, best friend who was his caddy. I don't really want to go into that. People can look up that story. It's quite, oh, I don't know how people can deal with some of those things. Um, yeah, so he won by a couple at a blistering final round. Um, and the only other thing of note from the memorial was the play of Adam Scott through the whole week. <clears throat> Excuse me. He finished second, couple back. Um, so Scotty played quite well, just good solid four rounds of golf. Maybe, maybe found a little bit of form, maybe. I don't know, maybe a bit of form with a putter, I'm not sure. Um, he certainly looked like. He he had the putter working. Now the little bit of that tournament that I did get to see, you know, I, I think I saw every putt that he that he drained, and he looked confident. But I know in the replays and reviews that there was still a couple of sketchy, you know, short misses. So for every every upside with his putting, there seemed to be a little bit of a half a downside. But Adam's striping it. You know, he's he's. Um, Tita Green, he's just bombing it at the moment. There's no one like it. There's literally no one like it. The PGA, he would have been there right at the end if it wasn't for his putter. It's as simple as that. Mm. His ball striking is... His ball striking right now is on par, probably even better than you know that stretch he had from 2012 through to 2014. You know, that was that was a really complete game that he had running there. But from a tee to green, he is, oh, my goodness. Like, he's swinging it so well. And he's, and he's hitting it just close a lot. Although, as I said, you know, last time the, after the PGA, you know, I just wish he would not hit it to four feet and maybe hit it to 12 but a better chance of holding him. Um, so, it, yeah, he could be interesting. Um, interesting to see how he goes on the power at Pebble. Don't know. Yeah. Interesting. They, they definitely, they definitely aren't pure distinction at Pebble Beach, and that power probably grows three <laughs> millimeters in uh, in the six hours of play. So, anyway, we'll we'll talk about that next week. Um, the other. Aussie that finished sort of top ten, uh, Leash. Leash was was up there in, in that uh, tournament. Yeah, he's about. I'm quite. I don't know, there must be some other things going on. Uh, he's kind of been in and about in a lot of tournaments, and he hasn't really contended since. Oh, I can't remember the event that he won the tail end of last year, and he sort of really hasn't done much in 2019. So hopefully the big guy gets a bit of a wriggle on. Um, or maybe it's just 2019 is one of those years where it's just just not it's not quite clicking for him yet. Um, 
trying to think who else. What are, what are the other notables at the memorial? Uh, I can't think of anything else. The only thing is, you know, Phil Mickelson creating more social media content prior and after. Just makes me laugh. That man just makes me laugh so hard. Did Phil genuinely carry two drivers? Yes. You saw, I, I tagged you in that video, so you know if anyone hasn't, anyone listening to this hasn't seen it, go and have a look up Phil Mickelson on Instagram or even Twitter, and he does this little video where he's going to play the memorial, and he's going in with two drivers because he needs one to hit the bombs. And he needs one to hit his sweet cuts. So if he wants to hit the fairways and get himself in position, he's going to take the one that hits the sweet little cuts. But if he needs a bit of extra distance, he's going to hit the other one to hit the sweet bombs. <laughs> oh, Phil. Did, did I tagged you, a... you in another video where he's obviously missed the cut. He's missed the cut by like four. He's created this video, it was a, and, and it was an awesome short game tip. And he's talking about some stuff that Ray Floyd used to do with um, – Ray Floyd was probably the best chipper in the game, bar none. But he leads it off with, um, you know, off off the back of my um, performance hitting hitting um, bombs at the Memorial Tournament because I led the, tour, led the field in driving distance. And <laughs> – and then he goes into the, this whole thing about another series of you know Phil's chipping tips. Oh my, it's just it's just a funny man. He's just a funny man. Oh well, let's uh, let's keep Phil watch uh, going. Can't, I can't report much on Campillo watch at the moment. That's been a bit quiet on the Campillo watch front, but uh, we might swing Phil watch into action or Phil social media watch into action at least. Anyway. Uh, so we had Scotty, we had Leash, we had Patrick Cantlay. That's done and dusted. Um, was it US Women's Open? Absolutely. Ah, uh, that oh, that course is so awesome. <laughs> like literally, that course is so awesome. Char- was it, what's I'm, it called? Char- was it uh, Charleston? Yeah, country called the Charleston. Yeah. Just the history of that course and. Um, the people that have played there and, the, you know, this, this is oh, this amazing history. You know, this, this is – and this was really the first time, you know, a full-blown ridgy-ditch Seth Rayner course in all of its glory. Um, first day was, was okay. Second day, conditions got a little bit tougher. That was the one where they actually had the lightning there, which – just took out the left tree on the 11th hole. Um, if you didn't see that video, go and have a look oh at, the, at the video on uh, – it's on the you – know, you'll find it anyway, you, US Women's Open Lightning, you'll find it. But if you – Actually, there's a funny funny comment. So Beth Daniel, the legend, the legend who is Beth Daniel, who's a, who's a, been a junior member. She she's a, still a member there and she's a junior member who grew up there at Country Club at Charleston. Um, so the 11th hole, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's the it's one of the more extreme uh, reverse Redans or Redan holes. has a really, really tough par three. Like the women had a real challenge with that thing and the, the false front at the front of that green, 
and I think it was on on the Friday when they were showing a camera shot from someone chipping in the front. You actually get to see how high the false front is. Like it is ridiculous. And so the tee shot is quite daunting. But the thing is that when they had that lightning strike, Beth Daniel made the comment. She said, Levin's green is that hard. Not even God can hit it. <laughs> and then and then the lightning bolt hit. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, she said that after it. All right. She's like, look at that. Yeah, no, no, he, he missed the green. green. Yeah, he missed it. <laughs> look, if there's ever an example or if you ever need a reason – to adhere to a siren when you're a club golfer and they blow the siren and to get away from, get out of there because of lightning, follow the rules of the siren. They are the rules. They're there for a reason. And watch that video because it will remind you every time you hear a siren to get the, you know what, out. Because, uh, and if there's ever another, there's a little safety announcement here, a reason not to stand under a tree when there's lightning around that video will prove it to you and remind you every time you hear that siren to get the you-know-what out. So it's, yep. it was insane, that video. But anyway, um, US Women's Open. Yeah, and then yeah, and then Saturday, Sunday, you know, course just sort of continued to sort of toughen up and um, they were they had some challenges with slow play, but I, I still think, you know, one of the things that the USGA have a bit of a fault with is, you know, they think that, having the greens running really, really fast protects the course, but it the only thing it does is it makes greens that have a lot of complexes and slope and stuff like that, they make them really hard. It causes a lot of issues with play because, you know, everyone's going to be really tentative. But at the same time, you know, by making the greens fast, that means they actually lose a lot of pinnable surface. Because the surfaces, the areas, the greens, that if you, you run, had them running at like 10 or 11 rather than 14, you know, those areas, which may be a little bit more severe and protect that hole, you can't pin them when it's running at 14. You're running at 11, you actually pin them. So they actually probably cost, cost themselves the ability to put the pins in even some more interesting um, places on the course. So... Now, that was a bit of an issue on the Saturday, the slow play. But then the final round, you know, just watching some of the players, it was just great to see just actual golf, like seeing holes where it wasn't bomb driver, hit wedge, bomb driver, hit wedge. It was, you know, driving in the right, the, you know, having it, driving in the right side of the fairway to give yourself the best angle to hit an iron shot in. You know, can't land it on, you've got to ba- land it short and have it bounce up because of just the way either the ground is or the slope is or where the pin is. When you miss a green on a particular side, or you, especially that course, they didn't have a lot of rough, so you miss the green where you go long and it doesn't just stick in rough and near there where you just get, get a wedge and gouge it out. All of a sudden, they're like trying to get 20 yards through the green. They've got still short grass to chip through, and it's like it's a tight lie, can't throw it up. How do I chip and run it? If I don't get it up far enough, it might come back to my feet. You know, if I don't, you know, if I pitch too far, it might go through. Yeah, you know, so, so so all of a sudden it's created all these different shots. So it was great to see the women, you know, having to really work their way around a course. See golf played how it should be, and um, and in the end, you know, a, a deserving winner and just a rookie as well. She was. 
Um, she played really good golf from 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 round one all the way through. She was just she was just grinding away in contention. Um, and oh, I haven't even mentioned it. So it's uh, Jean G Jean G Lee six, and the reason for the six is because apparently on the Korean tour there were about twelve uh, women past current uh, players on the Korean tour that had the same name. So they started giving them numbers to differentiate between who they were. And she's really embraced it. So she's given herself the nickname Hot Six. Um, so, and, um, yeah, she's a rookie on the LPGA Tour. She's only just – she's she hasn't – in her last six events, she hasn't finished outside the top 20. She's been contending in all of them. And now um, – so she's had success on the Korean Tour – um, but you know she's come to the US tour for the first time, and she's she, yeah she's kind of almost taken taken a little bit of the world by storm already in a rookie year, and you can see what it meant to her. You know if anyone's seen the video of her, obviously talking about her story. Her story was just amazing. You know her her family didn't have a lot of money growing up, and you know so her dad was sort of working extra shifts, driving a truck. Try and feed the family and 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 um, help her pursue a dream. Um, and he fell asleep at the wheel. You know, had a crash, ended up being paralysed. All of a sudden, they really have no money, no way of making sort of ends meet. So um, she battled her way through her amateur career and stuff like that to make it as a professional. And. You know, her, her. You know, one of her driving forces as a, a professional and making making money is is to help you know feed her feed her family and put a roof over their heads. And you can see how emotional it was. And then her manager, who's a her actual translator, um, was quite emotional as well. So, you know, it was just um, you know, call it stories. That, you know, in terms between Patrick Cantlay and and um, uh, Lee Six over the weekend. You know, there's a couple of triumphs in the face of adversity for you know, some young golfers. So it was, yeah, it's quite, quite feel good. Quite feel good. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great win for Jong Young Lee six and uh, the Korean girls are fantastic. You know, they, they dominate the LPGA and, you know, it's amazing what they what they do in that country and how they produce such great golfers. And there's so many young Korean golfers that are doing so well. And uh, I don't I don't know any Korean golf professionals, but I do know a couple of young ladies who have come to golf. Um, you know, sort of forty year old Korean ladies that um, that I that I know, and they they get some coaching through us and. Uh, they they just idolise those girls. Um, they really do look up to what the Korean girls do as golfers on the global stage and what they do for um, Korea and Korean women. And and they have come to golf on the back of um, as mature. Pack. Yeah, on the back of you know that whole Sayri Pack, you know, years ago. Um, they've come to golf on the back of that, and uh, it's fantastic. It was great to see just on the on the results, uh, Lexi Thomas, Lexi Thompson, P two. Yeah, it's good to see her back up there, sort of 
thereabouts. Although I had my fascination watch going. So Maria Fassi, young Mexican, first professional event, started off not too flash. But uh, the weekend proved, uh, you know, she sort of got a groove and she finished T12. She did. She did indeed. That's uh, that's a great sign um, for her. Who else was up there? Celine Boutier, who was the uh, ladies' winner down at uh, the Vic Open, who finished in T5. Oh, she she fell apart. Yeah. She fell apart. She had that tournament. Her front nine... I think she was leading with about nine to play and she just fell over, just absolutely just capitulated. Um, the other one, um, um, Jay Marie, oh, the American girl, she was contending all week. I can't remember where she finished. I'll better look at the – oh, where did she finish? Uh, I need the leaderboard. Jay Marie. She's another one. She's a ball stroke. She's like the female version of Adam Scott. She's an amazing ball striker, but with a putter in her hand, she's terrible. She's she's not good, but she had probably the best putting round for the for kind of the whole year. She was also T five. She so she finished plus three with her final round for a minus three uh, overall. So. Yeah, 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 had a had a tough uh, final round as a few of them did, um, but yeah, the course she... is tough. The course is playing really tough. Um, you know, especially in the afternoons, the wind would start to get up 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 through there. So, you know, yeah, so a good all round game is is it's going to get the job done. So, Mate, yeah, there are uh, the Aussie girls weren't really in the final standings. I think Kate Kurt was up there. She played the weekend. Hannah Green played the weekend. Lids Co from New Zealand played the weekend. But nothing uh nothing really um threatening there. Um what about the uh, Oh Minji no, Minji Lee. Minji Min, sorry, Minji Lee was T T twelve. So plus yeah. two on the last round, minus one overall. So five shots behind. As you'd expect Minji to be up there, but uh not not quite uh not quite good enough to beat um, Jong Yung Lee six, mate. Well done to you for giving the uh, the girls such a, a solid uh, piece of coverage. We've sort of glossed over them in the in the past a little bit, the, the ladies. But as you know, the quality of golf when you watch the lady the girls play, the ladies play, um, is fantastic, and it really is ball striking and shot play and very very competitive you know like it's just it's just quality to watch uh, i really enjoy it and well done to and, you for giving it such engaging. strong coverage they're engaging with the fans like i was watching so the especially the quarter girls like <laughs> you know obviously there's the daughters of um you know former australian uh tennis open champion peter quarter um but jess and nelly they're i was watching some footage, so US Open, they're really good at sort of having these little periods of sort of dead space and just filling it with sort of panoramic views and stuff like that. Jessica Corder was signing kids, like, balls and gloves and autographs 
on the side on the side of the fairway during play on a hole. Like, talk about fan engagement, and you try. She's playing in a major and contending, and she's still signing autographs mid round. Oh, between shots. No, it's very good. Um, the girls, you know, the girls are, are aware of, you know, their role. This is just my perspective. This is you know, my perspective is they're aware of their role. They're aware of their responsibility to grow the game in total, grow the game for the girls and the women, and uh, and they they know that and they do a, from what I can see and observe just from watching it on the TV as we all do, and no other insights. I don't know any. LPGA Europe, no one European professional, but that they see that as their role and their responsibility, and, and they're very engaging, and and it's great to see. It'd be great if the men could take a leaf out of that book. You know, I guess I understand how it is different because there's so many more people and it's so many much more demanding. But really, you know, I think a lot of the the men could take a little bit more of a leaf out of the girls' book and just you know have that front of mind awareness that. That's their job as professionals, and yes, they're on the big stage and they're playing for big bucks. But you know, we're all in this together. This this game, you know. Maybe Sergio's advisors um, were, uh, <laughs> you know, sauntering through the uh, fairways down there at Charleston and taking notes um, to see what other things they might need to keep in the playbook for um, you know, any continuation or uh, revamping of the Sergio Salvation Tour. <laughs> Has that uh, has that dropped in at a place near you of uh, any recent time? The Sergio Salvation Tour, the the reimaging of the uh, the great man. Uh, no, I reckon they've kind of put the put a little bit of that in cotton wool at the moment. Just probably just put it aside because the uh, the fraudulent physicist is is making a bit of a name for himself as. Um, so he's taken the spotlight away from Sergio. So I think they're quite happy about that. I think the 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 the, um, the guys that are running the Sergio, Sergio Salvation Tour are quite happy with the uh, the efforts of the fraudulent physicists over the last month. You know, just shift, shifting and pivoting some of the spotlight um, away from uh, Sergio. So um, they don't have to work so hard. So I think, and they're just trying to just bank as many things as possible for the next time. Sergio decides to um, take a bulldozer to a green or something like that. Now, for those that haven't tuned in previously, and uh, the false physicist, who's the false physicist? Rocket, just enlighten everyone. And Bryson DeChambeau, and he's he's been in the news with this slow play recently. Um, what was his? He's a fool. He's a fool. Because because obviously you know. Um, there's a lot of focus on him. Um, Brooksy, without naming him, has kind of called him out. Tiger actually kind of called him out because he was paired with Tiger at Memorial and um, they're on the clock. And Tiger said it's really hard to pick up and get off the clock because it's not just one person in the group. You've got the whole group has got to try and pull together, and he was kind of alluding to, to Bryson, and then Bryson has come out and he's gone onto social media. Uh, he needs he needs to deactivate his account. He's come out saying, um, "I'm not slow. I'm faster at other things." 
and I still don't even know what he's trying to talk about. It's like, you know, well, he's faster at thinking about the maths. <clears throat> the mark of a good golfer is being able to walk up to your shot, judge your wind, your lie, your distance, etc. pick the shot you want to hit, pull the club out of the bag, stand over it, have a, maybe have a practice swing, get over it and hit it. You got 45 seconds to do that by law. 40 seconds, actually. And he has, he takes at least two minutes in total. He'll get there. He'll read. He'll spend a minute reading his yardage book, doing his calculations of air density, you know, maybe some, you know, some um, vibrations from the tectonic plates. You know, he might be doing a bit of CO2. Um, um, calculations um, and if, any, if there's any holes in the ozone layer or something like that that might impact the um, the sunlight reflection of the club face which will impact the spin on the ball that goes on the on the flight to the green he may pull out an agronomy chart to check out the types of grains of grass um, he might then do a bit of a rain dance um, pray to the um, golf machine gods before he even pulls the club out of the bag. And then he starts talking about his calculations, how he's faster. So, and it's like trying to make this justification of, you know, he's not that slow. Like, what an idiot. He's an idiot. First of all, he had the terminal velocity thing with the with the shot that hit the pin on the 18th at Augusta in the first round. He said, oh, the ball had too much terminal velocity. Terminal velocity is a downward motion when something cannot go any faster, it's like dropping a coin off a building, not when a golf ball is running along the ground and hits a flagstick. He's a physicist. He's fraudulent. He's fraudulent. All right, mate. Oh. Oh. I, uh, I know the talk of price and just winds you up. Uh, it's actually the first player has 50 seconds and – the uh, subsequent players of the group have 40 seconds to play their shots. So, yeah, he's... You know um... what I still love? What I love? I, want, I, I hope, I wish someone, if, if he's playing the Canadian Open this week, which is the event which is on, not sure, I want him to be paired with um, Brooks at some stage because do you know what Brooks does to slow players? I don't know, Rocket. What does Brooks do to slow players with the muscles on the man? I'd hate to think what he does threaten them with. I don't know. Maybe. What does he do? You know how, you know, loose and carefree Brooks is, right? So when he plays with slow players, he does things deliberately to get the group on the clock. So what he does, he'll hit his shot. He'll just then go off to the toilet and sit in there for four or five minutes to slow the grip down, get them on the clock to force them to play faster. Ah! Ah! It's so good. Oh, dear. Is that for real? Is it? Is it? Is yes, he, he does. He does. Why would he tell anyone that? <laughs> That's great. I don't think it's a public knowledge. It's one of those uh, heard it through the grapevine and... There's been a little bit of uh, footage um, that's that's made its way on Twitter where people have watched him when they've been at tournaments and they've seen what he does, and he does it. 
he will just go in the toilet, sit there, just to try and get the group on the clock to make them play faster because he hates playing slow. Fair dues too, fair dues too. Hey, mate, um, I think we've covered everything. Have we covered everything? Because we've uh, we've exhausted our 60 minutes that we are like to keep the good people for. Is there anything else just in closing from you, sir? Oh, I've got the Canadian Open this week, which is, a, you know, obviously the lead into the um, PGA. Oh, not PGA. Oh, it's moving the majors around. messes with my head so much. The US Open. Having a US Open after the PGA just does not do wonders for the mind. So Canadian Open, um, really interesting fact is it's going to be the first time it's not going to be played at Glen Abbey since like 1971 when it first opened. Glen Abbey, which is a Jack Nicholas course. A um, few of our Australian players have um, done well at the Canadian Open, actually. But they moved it to another course called Hamilton Golf Club which is one of three um, Harry Colt courses that are actually in North America. Um, so I think I think Tom Doak might have done some work on that course, a bit of restoration stuff, but I'm going to be very interested to see what this looks like because um, HS Colt is, is quite a underrated man um, outside of – Outside of the UK, you know, some of the courses that he designed and built in the UK, um, well, they're amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, quite a humble dude. But, yeah, I'll be interested to see what this looks like. You know, I'm liking this where they're moving tournaments to some classic courses. So, yeah, that'll be bad. That'll be interesting to see the Canadian Open lead into the US, um, US Open. And we said PGA again. Um, Any not- not- notables in the field? It's it's some people are going to be taking a rest, I'm sure. But uh, who are the no- field notables? Um, uh, who have we got? I've got Brooks it here. I've got it. Field. Brooks is in the field. Yeah, We've I got... think he's going to. That's that'll be his practice round because I don't reckon he's hit a golf ball since since the US Open, US PGA. See, look at that. It's messing with me. Now I'm going back, tournaments back to front, and he's defending champion. So he's actually going for a three peat. So is this the this is the final tournament for some of these guys that haven't haven't qualified to qualify for the US Open the following week? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So there'll be a little bit of that. There'll be guys that'll be going for that because they've had a, you know pretty much all the sectionals qualifying for the US Open. So there'll be a last sort of stint um, for a few players to try and get in. So just notable uh, notables in the field for me. My favourites uh, Shane Lowry and Padraig Harrington representing Ireland. Um, so they're there. Who else is there? Uh, Martin, DJ's playing. DJ's playing. Luke, Luke Donald's playing. Martin Laird's playing. Jonas Blixt is playing. Brian Gay, Sergio Garcia. Uh, yeah, Rory, you'd have all the European. You'd have all the Europeans getting there. You know, wanting to do a bit of a warm up before um, the US Open. I reckon. Rory, Danny Willett's playing. Um, Jim, Jim Furyk, Aaron Wise, Cold Nost, um, Hudson Swafford. Seamus Power, another Irish boy. I love, I love Seamus Power. Uh, who else? Who else we got? Who else? We got? Curtis Luck. So Aussie, Aussie in the field. Curtis Luck. Um, we might have a look at how Curtis Luck does and how he's been doing. Come back to Curtis uh, later on. Danny Lee from New Zealand. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Henry Stenson, my another one of my go-to, and Rod Pampling, Pamps, the old. Uh, the senior, senior statesman of the Australian PGA Tour card holders is uh, playing as well. Rod Pamps, good, good on you, Pamps. Oh, that's good. Sorry. 
No, it'll be good. Should be good. Should be a good tournament. A couple of other qualifiers. You mentioned sectional qualifying's done. Uh, big congratulations going back to PK to uh, PK representative and oh, the uh, and the big phrase Marcus Fraser qualified during the week at uh, Walton Heath in the UK. So yeah. uh, he's making the trek across to Pebble Beach. Go on, your phrase. Well done, mate. Well done to you. Um, it's very impressive. Marcus Fraser is. You're at the moment. You're more likely to see him playing with the members at Peninsula anywhere, and he just gets about his business, shoots his five or six under, has a beer, has a bite to eat. He's there at seven in the morning, or he's there at seven at night, and uh, and then he just. I, I saw him there two weeks ago, yeah, you know, a week ago, a week and a half ago, and then next thing is Walton Heath. Oh, I've just qualified for the US Open. Um, with his schedule limited this year, with what he's doing now, uh, mate, it's sensational. Can't wait to see him. Anyone else that uh, of note that qualified? Uh, who else? Uh, um, Zach Blair. Zach Blair. Oh. Zach Blair from the Buck Cup, Buck Club qualified. Love Zach Blair and watching his on the, his love, uh, social media I love stuff. ZB. ZB's a ripper. ZB's a ripper. Um, oh, I just just going back to the Canadian Open. And another person who's really testing my patience at the moment, and uh, we didn't talk about him in the memorial. I think I'd try to wipe it from memory. The Cooch. Cooch and his drop. My God. What a... Oh, I'm going to get wound up again, Roscoe. <laughs> so what did he... What, just, quickly, you've, what, what, just quickly, what did he do on the drop? So he's in his tee shot. It's landed sort of in the right part of the fairway, sort of bounced left. It's in like a depression, look like someone's other pitch mark. So the ball's just sitting in there. So it's rolled into it. He's called over a rules official saying, can I get a drop? This is my pitch mark. And he's like, that, your ball didn't go in there. That rolled into it. It's not yours. So you can't have a drop. You have to play it as you lie. Then he proceeded to argue with the rules official saying, no, 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 the ball sort of bounced in and it bounced up. And because of it bouncing up, it kind of made another impression inside the impression. So because it did that, I should get a drop. And the official goes, no. So he called another rules official over because he didn't like that decision. And he's being a complete flog about it. And then they've just gone, we've seen the, we've seen the television footage, Matt. No, players it lies. And he went on and on about it for like five minutes. It was a joke. It was Did an it, absolute joke. Well, I hope you bogeyed that hole because that is that I didn't see and I didn't read about it. But that is oh. that's ridiculous um, of the highest order. And anyway, he's fallen out of favour with you clearly, uh, the cooch. And as he he hasn't he hasn't been on the uh, the greatest PR promotional tour himself uh, uh, this <laughs> Again, year. Sergio's Sergio's team must be looking at the, the fake physicist and the cooch and going, oh, oh, Sergio, you're a very lucky man. <laughs> Mate, I think uh, we'll call it time there because uh, we've gone we've gone over. But once again, brought great value on the tour wrap stuff to the people. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed us just uh, going on a little bit about the beautiful peninsula Kingswood. Don't forget to head out to the Future Golf Guys uh, Facebook or website page. Click the link, enter your details there for a chance to win the My Love of Golf Celebration 20 episode 
TaylorMade Tour Spider. Thanks to the people at TaylorMade for supporting those guys. Um, the little bloke Rocket on the other end here is a big TaylorMade fan. Big, big, and this isn't sponsored by TaylorMade, but, but he's just a big fan. So thanks to those guys. You know, we'll rock. We'll we'll get you down there, mate. It's all right. We'll get you down there. And um, don't forget next Baby Monday. Steps. <laughs> Baby steps. Yes. Next Monday night we'll be recording at Big Swing Golf and. If you want to be one of the small handful of people that come down and play Pebble Beach, feel free to reach out. Can't promise everyone's going to get in, but uh, if you let us know, we'll put you uh, put you on the, in the draw maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll work that out. But, um, yeah, that's something different and a little bit of fun. So that's it from me. Is that it from you, mate? It's all from me, sir. Another episode of the Roscoe and Rocket My Love of Golf podcast continuing to rank through the roof. Thank you very much. Hit us up on the socials. And uh, until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.